Welcome back to the Pick 199 podcast, episode 52. D. What's up? It's D. Hey. And this week we have special guest and jockey Blake McDougall. How you doing, Blake? Yeah, good, fellas. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming. I'm hand over to Snake and he's going to run the interview. From the master interview extraordinaire. Said no one ever. <laughs> yeah. Gonna call myself Carl Stefanovic then for a second. But, <laughs> uh, he wishes. Uh so Blake, local jockey, um, killing it in the country racing at the minute. Um just coming off the 2020-21 jockey championship. It's a pretty massive achievement, mate. It was a big season. Um yeah. something that we sort of worked towards the last few years. I uh, had a bit of a back to front apprenticeship. Obviously, a lot of a lot of a lot of apprentices sort of come through their apprenticeship, fly and ride a lot of winners, and and sort of have a have a big apprenticeship. And then when they become a senior, they quieten down. Whereas I sort of I had a stop start apprenticeship and um, still rode a few winners in town. But it wasn't until I finished my apprenticeship and, and moved away um, that I really put things together. And you know, it just 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 goes to show I've been a fully fledged jockey now for the last three years. I think. So three years ago, I think I rode 108 winners. And then the year before, I rode 140, lost the premiership through suspension. And then last year, I rode 196 and claimed back the premiership and, and a lot of other minor premierships along the way. Yeah, very good. I, I, mate, I loved your apprenticeship because you made me a heap of money one year at the Soldier Saddle. So yeah, um, that was fantastic. Um. Mate, going back, like you're a local boy from the area. Um, grew up, spent a lot of time in Portland. Um, don't remember you spending a lot of time around horses, but no, funny that I used to chase them um, on <laughs> motorbikes and had yeah. never had an interest. Never, never, never had an interest. I um, obviously, you know, grew up the early part of my years in Portland and then sort of early teenage years in Willarawang. But um, yeah, I um obviously grew up a little bit bit different, had a bit of a different upbringing, and um yeah, I you know I I never really knew what I wanted to do um for quite a while, and I I didn't have much going on, so I think it was it was a it was a it was a matter of a few few people coming together and having a bit of a word to me and trying to point me in the right direction and. I think I actually forget his name, but our librarian at Portland Central, he was the mayor of Lithgow. What was his name? Neville. Um, Neville Castle. Neville Castle. He started this whole thing. Yeah. He um, we're doing work experience yeah. one year, and he said, "What do you want to do?" And I said, "Nothing." I said, "I'm fucking. I'm not doing anything. Like I'm just happy, just <laughs> doing what I'm doing." And he said, "Oh, I was so light. I think I just just sort of finished up playing footy. I was like 45 kilos, getting smashed around." coach ended up saying to me I can't keep yeah. putting you on um yeah and there wasn't a lot going on for me at the time and he sort of pulled me aside and he said if I can tee up some work experience at Randwick with Ron Quinton would you would you go and do it for me and I said oh spoke to me to me father and that at the time and you know we it was a bit of a bit of a holiday for me as well so I went down there worked with the horses for a couple of weeks got an idea of what, how everything worked and I come home and I didn't like it um it, I didn't get back down there for another sort of 12 months, but I think it was just a matter of just, there's just, there's not a lot of opportunity up our way. 
Um, yeah. You know, I was probably knocking around with, with the wrong crowd. And um, it was a bit of a, and like I've said in a lot of articles over the years, it was a bit of a get out this job. Like I could move to Sydney at the age of 16, be put in a house, be fed, get paid and work with horses, which was very new to me. So, yeah, it was a bit of a, it was, it was an opportunity. Blake, do you feel like the the stigma around um, being a jockey affected you starting earlier? Uh, not, I reckon, you know, it's funny. Like, I obviously, I moved away when I was 16. I had nothing. And I moved straight to Sydney. And, you know, it, it took a long time for me to, to, to start riding, obviously, because I couldn't ride. So... I sort of I worked as a stable hand picking shit up for eighteen months on two hundred and eighty dollars a week, and which yeah, and I sort of I was just getting used by a few trainers down there. Um, it wasn't until you know I had sort of a lot of the littler trainers that only had a handful in work. They sort of helped me ride the pony and sort of get going and learn how to ride and sort of fast track, fast track another six months. I was doing my trials and then the boss I was with. Con Karakasanas, he actually just got suspended for tubing a horse or getting caught tubing a horse. So then my pa- my papers, we call them papers, your apprenticeship got transferred to a trainer called David Payne at Rose Hill. And he was he was great early. He yeah. was great early. He just put me on. Like I'd barely ridden on the ridden gallops on the grass before I went to him. I was doing trials and before I knew it, I had me ticket to ride in races and I wasn't ready. And um, I only rode for about eight months. I, I, I had a bit of trouble. I, um, I, I rode ten winners in my first sort of eight months of riding. Um, but I just, I just think I was probably about eighteen then, nearly nineteen, and I'd had moved away at such a young age and worked so hard for this this goal, this new goal that I wanted to do. And by the time it all come around, I wasn't getting much of a go at the time, and I just. I needed a holiday. A lot of people said I should have went on holiday, but I didn't listen to anyone and I ended up burning out. I ended up burning a lot of bridges and ended up going back home to Portland and, and moved back into my nan's house. And I guess I caught up on everything I missed out on as a kid. I caught up with my old mates and I, you know, I, I got back into that routine of just, you know, uh, doing, doing what we do at that age. And it wasn't, wasn't probably <laughs> until moving back there at sort of, 19 and then staying there for for a few years it's sort of for reality to come and hit me again and and sort of get back out of that area and, and get back into sydney and 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 start finish what i started mm-hmm. when did you sort of know that oh, uh, when did you sort of know like you could make it like a real hot go of uh being a professional jockey well it's a, it's a, it's an opportunist sport. Like it's a, it's a, it's, it's an industry you can just walk straight into. You don't need any qualifications. There's no sign up paper. If you, you just, it's a, it's a very practical job. There's not, not no theory at all. Really, the only fear is doing your form before the races. Um, it's very hands on. So it's just, it, we call it a bug. You get a bug. It's a racing bug. It's just, it's a, you know, you, you fall in love with the animal. Um, it's, just, it's crazy. Like I, I just can't stop. You know, I just I just go with, like the last few years I've just gone and gone. I've travelled all around Australia. I've been very lucky over the last few years. I've done most carnivals. I went up to Queensland for the first time last year. I rode in the Stradbroke, 
I do Tassie every year. It's a great carnival. I did Adelaide. I rode in the Group 1 South Australian Derby. Um, it's just, it's like it's, we live in our own world. Like we get so caught up in, in, in you know, because we obviously, we start very early and there's races every day. We have our own community. It's like it's, it's like we're living in a, in a different sort of, it's, it's weird. It's hard to explain. So is it like a thrill of racing against other jockeys or is it you might get a win here or there and it sort of builds on top of that? Like you, you get, get onto a roll of like a couple of wins or something or a couple of places and from there you just sort of, you're in that, you're in that, the bug, like you said, like you just you catch it and you're just like, let's just keep going. Let's, let's yeah, do it. Even, even before the race riding, you know, it's just, it's just something about, getting up at that time in the morning, working with these animals, you know, it's a, it's an amazing job. You know, like I said, I travel Australia every day, every single day I wake up and I go a different direction. I'm going to a different suburb, a different town, different track. I'm riding different horses, different people. It's just, you know, it's, and it's like I said, it's, a, it's like a, it's like we're living in our own little world. Like it's just, you just get so caught up in it. Um, and then obviously, like I said, early doors, my apprenticeship was up and down, stop started. You know, I'd, you know, I'd ridden, I'd ridden three, three winners on a Saturday, one day at Randwick um, as an apprentice, it's, it's, you know, and, and then the next week I probably, I, I didn't get a ride. I was, I was, I spent a lot of my apprenticeship suspended, uh, not for anything sort of serious, just careless riding and um, just stuff like that. So I, I missed out on a lot of opportunities and I was probably, I wasn't as mature then as I am now, I sort of never really could be told what to do. So I was always a little bit above myself, I'd, I'd say, throughout my apprenticeship in Sydney. And and I didn't have a lot of people around me either. I, I feel like I was always on my own. I feel like if I had sort of had a bit of a mentor or, or someone there to sort of pull me in line every now and again, whereas I was sort of just young and, and you know, and when I was riding in town, riding a few winners, I was sort of, I wouldn't say I've got a big head, but... I sort of I run my own race, put it that way. Like, those... um, how much prep work, mate, would you sort of put in before the races? I think sort of mentally and physically, it could Me- be quite demanding. Mentally, it's it's insane the pressure that we get put under. Mm. Like you think we could have eight races in a day. Like we've got to worry about. So you ride a race, you get ready for a race, you ride a race. And that race is over and then straight away you're thinking about the next race you can't even like it's just it's it's insane and when you're like when you're riding in the country that's why i think i enjoyed it so much the last few years moving to the country and i reckon i just blossomed because i just i just had this relief off my back when i was you're riding in town you're riding for big stakes you ride for big owners and as soon as you do something wrong you get it all of a sudden you right you get caught wide on a horse for chris wallow all of a sudden oh he's riding bad that kid can't put him on, um, you know, he's, and then racing, it's like a, as soon as someone starts saying something, it gets spread around. So it's, yeah, the pressure mentally is insane. Physically, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're not really, cla- I don't think we're classified as athletes, but like our recoveries is horrific. Like, you know, we don't, footballers, they get massaged, they get fed, you're allowed to hydrate before you, before you play, like, for us, we're the complete opposite. We're no fluids. We're sweating. We're wasting. We're not eating. We're riding track work at three o'clock in the morning. Then we're 
going home, having a sweat, losing another kilo or two, and then you're getting in the car and you're driving to the races and then you're there all day and then you've got to deal with the pressure of the race. And, the, you know, it's just, it's insane. Like it's, it's pe- people, a lot of people don't understand. There should be more spoken about it, to be honest. Yeah, definitely. I think um, I think we all agree that you you definitely are athletes, mate. And I don't think it's it's the amount of pressure that you guys are on, and the amount of physical toll that it takes on you as well. Like that that can't be understated. And there's got to be more put into sort of helping the next generation of jockeys that come up to be able to sort up that stuff. Because I'm sure that you would have loved to have, as you said, a mentor but also have someone to help you with recovery and stuff like that? Yeah, for sure. Like that's I've, like Victoria, racing Victoria, uh, I think is so far in front of every uh, any other state. They have an actual apprentice school. They only take, they select five to six jockeys every year and they get nurtured, they get looked after, they get made sure they get given every chance to fulfil their apprenticeship. Whereas sort of nothing against New South Wales, but if you want to be an apprentice jockey in New South Wales, you just sign a bit of paper and you just, you're there, you're, you're an apprentice and you just, you're left on your own. Like, unless you know somebody, uh, racing's big for who you know. It's not what you know so much. It's, it's sort of who you know. So you get a long way. Um, you get a long way in this game if, if you've got someone on your side. And, you, you know, ability-wise, is what separates us from good jockeys and bad jockeys. But there are a lot of jockeys that have been handed a lot throughout their career and uh, why they are doing what they're doing. But speaking of pressure, that, that is what this, what separates us is, is, is how we all as individuals handle the pressure. Like Hugh Bowman, like, I don't know if there would probably only be a few jockeys come to mind who could handle the pressure of riding winks like that. That's just, it's mm. insane. Like he, he's only just starting to come back right now. I was having a conversation with him on the flight back from Doom from Queensland when we rode in the Stradbroke and he was saying to me like he just feels like he's getting his straps now and like it's been years since the Lynx race but that's the, like the men- like mentally like he's, he probably missed out on a good 12 months after her and he had to take a big break because he was just it was just just amazing like and when if, if you if you do follow Hugh and you're watching him like he is only just hitting his straps now, and it's been probably over two years. Jeez, wow! And like when at the end of that Winks run too, like there was a lot of chat about him and if he was still right to ride Winks, and that he might have been going a little bit easier on her and stuff. And it's like, how many wins did they have? Like he dominated. Like that partnership was so good, and he was still under pressure. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and he. And he still, you know, he still won big races in between, you know, whilst he was riding her. So it just, just goes to show he's one of a kind. Obviously, I'm a massive J-Mac fan. I think he's the best jockey I've ever seen. But they're two different style of riders. Um, Huey's, Huey's very old school. He's a horseman. Um, he rides full foot. He rides a lot of feel. With J-Mac, he's, just, he's a freak. There's, I've, yeah, I've never seen anything like James McDonald. He's, he's, um, he's something... Yeah, he's 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 a freak. Do you think um a lot of who's the best jockey you've ever raced against? Uh well, I've ridden against in Australia. I've ridden against them all. You know, competed. I've beat them in races. Yeah. You know, it's, we. I, I'm a yeah. big believer. Like I always say, you know, we can all we can all do a similar job. It's 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 about being on the right stock. 
if you're on the right stock, like every single week, week in, week out, J-Mac and Huey get put on the best horses from Wallers, from O'Shea's, from Godolphins, and they, they get the job done. Like, that's just, it's just how it works. Like, there's a, there was a conversation a few, few, few months ago in the jockey's room. There was someone was saying about Chris Waller talking about James, and they go, oh, something come up about James giving, giving one a bad ride. And Chris Wallace said James never, never gives him a bad ride. Sometimes he gets unlucky. But he's the only jockey Chris will say that about. Anyone else, you get yeah. caught wide or you miss the kick, or fucking yeah. was the jockey. But if it's James, he always says, oh, he was yeah, just unlucky. <laughs> um, so head, for yourself, head, Blake, like where you're at, minute, you're dominating. Sorry, Corey, you go. No, no, you're, you're halfway through now. So, so where you're at at the minute, Blake, with like your country riding and and you're dominating this field, you've beaten all those blokes. Where, where are the steps at to get you to like racing in a Melbourne Cup, for example? I know that could be crazy far yeah. ahead, but yeah, no, I've I've actually started the process. So six weeks ago, I made the move to Melbourne. Uh, I just felt like Melbourne, just felt like. I just had a good vibe about it. I've always come down yeah. over the last few years and had some success and I've built up some good relationships with some big, big trainers down here. So like I said, I spent the last three years riding around the country, getting a lot of confidence and sort of just shaping my craft, I'd say. And, you know, I never, I'm, I was pretty happy doing what I was doing, but I just, I have a lot of people sort of in my corner. Now I've got a mentor, I've got a really good manager and, you know, these people have, have helped me along the way and are pushing me for more now. And I've, I'm not a, not, not the most positive, <clears throat> positive person. I never have been. It's probably been one of my downfalls is mentally, but yeah. I feel as I'm getting older now, I'm, I'm a bit more mature and I'm just, you know, I understand things a bit better and, you know, I have to dissect things and, you know, cause if I had a bad day at the races, I'd carry it for two days. I'd be, I'd be fucking depressed and fucking, you know, I'd be, you know, sucking and rah, rah. But now if I have a bad day at the races, I talk to my mentor and we dissect the day and, you know, it's all about getting home in a good mindset and not sort of, you know, having, having stuff in your head. So like I obviously I had a conversation with my partner. I have a girlfriend. You have two young kids and um, a life set up in Aubrey, but, you know, with, with people around me, mentor, manager, we, we've all decided that we're going to give Victoria a go. Um, so we've moved down. We just got a place for lease for 12 months in Essendon. Yeah. And I'm writing work on a Tuesday for Peter Moody, uh, Packenham. Um, Thursdays, <clears throat> I'm just starting to do like Ballarat, Warnable. Uh, Fridays, I do Flemington. Saturdays, I do Cranbourne. Uh, Fridays, I do for like, David, uh, not David, sorry, Ben and JD Hayes. And Saturdays, I'm riding for like Trent Bussidens and Natalie Young. And, you know, I'd, I'd been going to Moody's for the last four weeks now, and he's just thrown me a bone. So on Saturday at Caulfield, he's given me a ride on a really nice horse in a group two. Uh, he's called Oxley Road. He's got 53. So I'm going to have to lose a couple of kilos by the end of the week. But, you know, th- this is what I've come here for these opportunities. I think a few weeks ago, I rode in the Moya, which is a group one at Mooney Valley. Uh, we run fourth, you know, run out of its skin, but, you know, run fourth in a group one, like it's it's not something I've 
can say I've done over the last few years. So the opportunities are here and they're coming. It's just a matter of um, sort of working hard and that's, that's what I'm writing a lot of work for big trainers and, and, and I'm not a natural lightweight, but I'm the lightest I've ever been because I have something to look forward to. So as long as I can keep my weight down, because uh, you get a lot of opportunities if you can ride light in town. A lot of the bigger jockeys, they don't really like riding under 55, under 56. Very good. No, excellent. Uh, with with um, so you've talked about like the mental side of things, like from when you were when you're an apprentice. Like now that you've got a a mentor and a manager, like has it just become that much easier for your mental side of things to sort of unload when you have a shit day on on the like on the track sort of thing? Like you can you can bounce ideas off each other sort of thing. Like it's just that like a release of pressure that that sort of come with it or yeah for sure i, I think the main thing I, I put it to is this this maturity this i've grown up a lot um you know when i was a few years ago i'd i'd have a bad day at the races and i'd you know i'd, I'd just be filthy i'd come home and pick a fight with my girlfriend for no reason and just you know you'd, i'd be shitty for days like you know i've got two young girls now and at the time i only had one young girl and you know, like I should have been coming home and being a happy dad, but I was always sort of, I don't know, I just sort of got stuck in this rut. I was, it was, it was not good mentally. And um, I, 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 I didn't know if I was depressed because I never seek help. But the more I look back on it now, the more I talk about it, I was probably, for a lot of years, I was, I was in a really shit headspace. So, but I think moving away from the city and, you know, making, making a family and, and sort of, just continually growing up and just just having the good good the right sort of people around you. Mm. You know, my my, my man, I've had my new manager now for two years. He's he's been he's more than a manager, and I I don't I don't pay him for as much as what I should. You know, I only pay him for to do his job, but he does a lot more than just sort out my rides. You know, he's mm. he's he's almost like a not a father figure, but he's he's just a he's he's he's, he's a He's an old head on shoulders. He's, he's been there and done it, and he's, he's always good to bounce stuff off. And I've now recently had a, a mentor now for the last probably 12 months, and he's been great. You know, it's he was an ex-jockey, so it's he understands. But because you can go to the races, have a bad day, train will give you a spray, owners won't be happy with you. You know, you, 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 your mind's going 27 different ways. So, And then you've got to, you know, you've got to get in the car, you've got to come home to – so then you've got to get out of that bubble. It's like you're, you're getting mm, back out of that yeah. bubble, yeah. go back into the real world, come home. Or even like there's been days where like if I have a day off, like I don't even want to go down to the shops. Like I don't want to go into the grocery store. I don't want to go walking down the street. I want, you know, people will be looking at me and I'll just, it's just a, yeah, mentally it's, it's quite challenging at times. And off the back of that, like uh, how does that, how how do you, how do you build like a relationship or like a, an understanding of like the horses that you're riding? Like, do you just have to trust your craft, or is it like also building something with the animal that you're riding? Definitely. Um, obviously, for a country jockey like myself, it's sort of just get on and fucking then go. Like you, you obviously I travelled, I rode most days, and like I said, every day is a different day. You're riding different horses for different trainers, but 
if you if you're riding in a similar area you, you generally get to know like if you're riding for a lot for one or two trainers you sort of get to know one trainer all their horses will be similar um obviously because of the way they train them so every horse is different i, I try and explain to people that are not horsey people horses are quite similar to humans they're individuals they've all got different personalities they all you know fillies are different to mares and geldings old geldings are different to young geldings and colts are different altogether like they're all you know you've got to be a lot calmer and you know you've got to approach fillies differently and mares whereas colts you've got to be a little bit more um not stand over them but you've got to be a little bit more because i'll just take the piss if you you know they'll mm-hmm. you've got to it's yeah that's just something over years that you just that, that's your craft that's what you shape you you got to sort of work the horse out and you don't have long to do it as soon as you mm-hmm. get on it you're already working it out you can and as soon as you get on a horse they, you can you can feel them and they can feel you they're, they're amazing animals mm-hmm. um so you talked before about having like these long seasons of like 150 plus sort of races is like how how long does the a season usually last for for you guys yeah so well last season i had 980 rights so a season is 12 months we go august to august and the super thing about racing is that's it it's august to august so first of august is the start of the season and the 31st of august is the end there's no there's no break there's break no holiday the there's no you know, if, if you want to take a holiday, we're taking it out of our own time. There's no, we don't stop. In in Hong Kong, I think they race nine months. I think they have three months off, but Hong Kong racing. But yeah, Australia, it's retarded. It just doesn't stop. It's, and, and you're just expected to keep being there, showing up. Because if you're not, the, the bloke behind you, he did the same job. Mm-hmm. So yeah, our season is 12 what months. What was it like? flat out that's a big year Blake just going back a little bit your first winner you wrote it for David Payne what was the feeling like of just achieving that goal like yeah it was it was amazing it was amazing my first ride was for David at Hawkesbury on a horse called Lemon Sweet and I was four deep the trip no cover fucking looked like an idiot tried to hit it down the straight nearly fell off it got pulled into the steward's room got a big talking to david didn't talk to me for two days he was he was pretty hard he was a hard taskmaster david and he was probably a big part to me pulling the pin the first time and going home because he was he was south african and he was a very old school hard taskmaster you know he was obviously brought up in south africa very tough and he was a bit too he was end up just being too much for me i couldn't handle it in the end but yeah my you know fast track from having my first ride. I think it was maybe two months later, I went to Scone. Uh, I didn't have a car. Um, probably didn't have a license, to be honest. But I remember it was, yeah, I rode track that morning <laughs> at Rose Hill, three o'clock, and I hopped in the horse float with the horse. Uh, they're not very enjoyable rides. They smell <laughs> of piss and shit and very loud. I was in the back sleeping on my race bag to Scone. It was a three... Would, it's three and a half in the car, so it would have took us four hours in the float there. So started at three, got in the float, fucking all the way to Scone, had one ride. And it was just, I remember the horse, his name was Sumitro. It was a beautiful, beautiful horse. He, um, I drew a good barrier 
he just jumped, travelled. He I box seated, I'm pretty sure. And, you know, it's just he just travelled like he just travelled so well for me. I I I didn't really I I didn't know at the time, but he was always gonna win the way he was travelling and he sort of from memory he pulled out top of the straight and he just fucked off. I didn't even have to do much on him. I was trying to do stuff on him, but he just he was just a sit steer. He was just it was just amazing, and I just remember crossing the line. It was just, just relief. Um, but I, yeah, it was just you know it's hard to explain. But it was just, I think yeah, I was obviously very happy and just just a lot of relief. And same thing it doesn't last long. You know, as soon as you pull up, come back to scale, you get off, you weigh in, it's all over the next race. So, but for me at the time, from memory, like it was a long time ago, it was, you know, it was it was it was a, it was an amazing feeling and. Uh, I do recall ringing David that that afternoon, and he, uh, for some reason, he he wasn't happy. He was he was just like that. He never ever gave me a praise. Uh, I wrote a lot of winners for him at the provincial level as well. But yeah, he was he was a funny man, David. But touching back on when you were Mate, talking about the uh, suspensions, um, like you sort of mentioned quickly, like it was just possibly taking the wrong line. What what was the like, what are the main sort of ones that you can get suspended for? Is it like a, like, is it a build-up of things over time that gets you suspended, or is it? Yeah, so you 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 get a record, and yep. the stewards work off a template. So if the template could be for whip. So if you go over in the whip, and then you get suspended, you'll get warned. You'll get a rep, what they call a reprimand, and then if you go over the whip again, you'll get another reprimand, and then you'll get a fine, and then once you get a few fines and you start getting suspended and like riding. So if you're in a race, say if I've drawn barrier 12 and I'm trying to come across to lead and someone, you know, you, you, the, the rule is you have to give another runner two lengths to cross them. So two horses space and then cross. We never give each other two lengths. It's just two lengths is fucking it's ridiculous. We normally length and a half is about what we give each other. But when you're riding with decent riders, you can give them, you can give them a bit shorter and they don't sort of you just you can learn to sort of let people go whereas when you're riding in the country or when you're riding against someone who's probably a bit scared as soon as they see you coming if they stand up and you know pull their head and check the horse then you're going to get time and then you get suspended and once you start getting suspended like i said it goes on your record and then when you have a few suspensions you get longer and longer and when i was an apprentice i went a lot for the whip you know i'd always if i thought i could win the race and my horse was responding. I'd just, I'd just wouldn't bash it. Like, but I would, I would, I would go over what I was meant to, uh, to get the job done. That's that was my mentality. Mm-hmm. So, and and I, I, half of my trouble was the whip, and the second half was careless riding. Like, if I was box seat, and I was smoking, I, I didn't care who was outside me. I'd just smash them out of the way. If I thought I could win, I was coming out. And that's you. You can't. You can't really do that. You can, but there's a fine line. But I. I didn't care. I just. I just crossed someone a length. Like I've put a jockey on the deck before. I didn't mean it, but that's just. That's just yeah. It's just that. That was just my mentality years years and years ago when I was younger. And like I, just had that from just, sort of how we how how I grew up, you know. Just had just kept that 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 sort of silly mentality you know, can carry it through the early part of my apprenticeship. Do you think part of that was just like that sort of chip on your shoulder to sort of prove that you could 
be a be a proper professional rider? Like uh, no, no, because that would be, you know, going at it, looking at it in a professional way. I was, I was not professional. You know, mm. I was I was young and I was just silly. I just used to just do what I wanted to do. I mm. I didn't um, have much respect at all for looking back on it now. I I didn't have much respect at all for the stewards or for 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 the fellow riders like I was just young and just sort of just, just doing what I wanted to do yeah no very good um so what what's the next step for you like uh where, where do you want to end up in like a year two years sort of thing what's a what's a big goal well I'm going to spend 12 months in Victoria hopefully I can crack it Cracking in Victoria is a bit tough at the moment. Obviously, they're they're carnival down here, so that's why well, I'm not riding in town as as much. But it's only a few weeks left, and then it'll be back to normal. And so, hopefully, I can just be a regular on a Saturday in town in Victoria. Hopefully, I can be having three or four rides, and you know, riding the winner every now and again in town. Like the, ob- the objective is to not so much work less, but not not work as like in New South Wales, I was travelling around the countryside, whereas Victoria is a lot smaller. It's less travelling, and if you can ride in town, you're making you're riding less, and you're making equivalent or more money. So, just just to live this different lifestyle, just just have a crack at being a a Melbourne jockey, and and hopefully, you know, using my skills to ride in town instead of around the country where I have been the last few years. Awesome. I think you're definitely an inspiration to all those uh, kids that, especially those kids that don't know what they want to do. And we're seeing a lot, a lot, of, a lot more kids that don't know what they do. Do you think going from going into jockeying as thinking it's not really a profession that you wanted to do sort of helped you mature in the long run a bit quicker? Oh, for sure. Like, like when I moved down, I was 16 and I was sort of running around, you know, Rose Hill, Parramatta. It's um it's a bit different than hanging around the, the main street of Portland. I was hanging around the main street of Parramatta. Um, you know, it, it it does it broadens your mind, and you know, the world's the world's Australia. Like it's a massive place. It's a lot bigger than just where where we grew up. There's there's a lot of people that just get stuck in a rut, just live there their whole life, and just grow up there and just float around. But you know, I always try and try and say to people like. You know, the world's a massive place. Get out, travel, go and explore. You know, it's yeah, it's limitless. Like your life, like what you want to do with it, there's no boundaries. Like you, you are the only person who controls it. You know, no one, no one can choose your future or, or what you want to do as a profession. You can do any anyone can do anything they want to do. It's just up to you whether you whether you know mentally you you can allow yourself to do it. Hey, that's that's one of the best things I've ever heard anyone say. Um, personally, that's you know, a top message for for so many people to hear. Um, I'm just as someone that knows you to see where you've come from and see where you're at. Super proud of your effort, mate. Absolutely tremendous. To get a, especially to get away from some undesirable people like Luke Barnes and those kind of that rough crowd because he's. He's a nutcase, that bloke. Yeah. Um, he's yeah, a, he's a way, mate. What you've done, what you've accomplished, it's a tremendous effort. 
Yeah, no worries, mate. I appreciate that. Uh, thanks for having me on. Before you go, I'd hate to end it on a really good note. Parramatta, mate, where are they going wrong? I don't know. I think um, every year we just keep getting better and better at the moment. I think we were pretty pretty stiff this year. We obviously would have killed for a hooker in the in the in our last game. We we obviously lost Reedy <laughs> mid season and and um, that probably cost us against against the Panthers. Although they had a lot of chances to score, they didn't. But if you look at the game, the poor bloke fucking Ray Stone, he knocked it on twenty seven times and. Junior Paulo was playing out a hooker in the last play, and, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the difference. So, look, we're, I think we're a work in progress. Yeah. We're, we're always going to be a work in progress. We just – I can't seem to work out what we lack. It's just we, when we seem to be have everything <laughs> sorted out and we're going well, something happens. So, I, I, don't, I think personally, I think I love Brad Arthur as a coach, but I reckon he's a bit too soft. I reckon he's a bit soft on them boys. And I reckon that's yeah. It seems like the motivation's the issue because you guys you win the big games but then struggle against the lower end teams. Yeah, it's it's just <clears> fucking <throat> mind boggling. But you look at coaches like Craig Bellamy. <laughs> uh, you look at coaches like Craig Bellamy. He's hard and tough, and and, and Wayne Bennett. And then, well, you look at Wayne Bennett. He's a different coach, but he's real well respected. Like I think the boys take the piss out of Brad a bit. I reckon he's a bit soft on him. Uh, you should hit Bells up while you're down there. Two Portland boys tearing Melbourne apart. Yeah, it'd be good to, good to bump into him. He wouldn't know who the fuck I am, but um, <laughs> I'll be making sure if I ever did see him, I'll be telling him where I'm from. Mm. I don't know if I'm I, – I, I find it a bit – I don't know where, where to say I'm from. Like I could say I'm from Portland, but I feel like I spent most of my years in Willowing, to be honest. Mate, don't I was tell in Poland, that. Poland <laughs> early, early days, but <laughs> I reckon I had most of my fun growing up in Wallerowing anyway. Mate, as someone that's got a mother from Portland and a dad from Wallerowing, I'm from Portland. Yeah, well, why don't my yeah my mother <laughs> my mother's from my, my mother's from the Central Coast. She's uh she's from the Central Maybe Coast. Maybe go with that then. Go with that. No, I, I'm I'm Portland Will Erwin crowd. Oh, don't worry about that. That's it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Blake. Thanks so much for coming on, mate. Truly appreciate it. It's a great message. And um, yeah, can't thank you enough. No worries, boys. Happy to help out. Thanks, Thanks Blake. Blake. Thank you. See you, boys. Bye.